and welcome to mini episode 171 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have three spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from February the 22nd, 2022. And story number one comes from Ebony. I'll start with my mother's story. She had not long had my eldest sister and had gone to visit some family friends for a few days. Her friends were very into anything supernatural and decided that once my mum had put my sister to bed with her milk for the evening, they'd play with a Ouija board. They had really set the scene to prepare for it. Lights off, candles lit, anything you'd think of that would absolutely make it look like it was a scene out of a horror movie. Anyway, they had sat down with the board, asked several questions with zero response whatsoever. With little excitement, they had abandoned the board and went to watch some television. In a brief moment, as the TV went quiet, they could hear shuffling coming from the direction of the board. As they looked over, they could see the planchette moving around the board hastily. They tried to read what was being spelled out for them over and over. Lee, check baby. Lee, check baby. Lee, check baby. As soon as my mother realised it was referring to my sister, she sprinted for the room where she was and found her choking on her milk. The next few small stories are my own experiences, and to this day I really have no explanation. These all happened in the same house, which, over my 16 years living there, I came to learn that the park behind the house was an old burial ground, and the house next door had someone pass away in the pool after having a heart attack and drowning. So the fact that there was so much activity in the house, and I wasn't the only one to experience things, is not surprising. The first thing I really remember was probably when I was still in primary school. I remember having just jumped into bed and getting comfy ready to sleep. As soon as I settled, I felt this strange tingling sensation around my left ankle. In a split second, I felt a hand grab my ankle with force. I yanked my legs up towards me and shot up in bed, but no one was in my room. One morning I was getting ready for school, and I was crouching on the ground in front of my mirrored wardrobe. To my right was a large window. For some reason, I decided to tie my shoes by looking at the reflection of them in the mirror. While doing so, I saw a large shadow figure sprint past the window. Certain with what I just saw, I ran to my mother telling her someone was in our front yard heading towards the back of the house. She brushed it off, telling me it was probably just the pool guy or the electrician. Absolutely shitting myself knowing I would have seen a uniform, I begged her to go and look. She went to look and I followed close behind and of course no one was there and our front gate was locked. So even if a pool guy or electrician had come and gone in that time, the gate would have been unlocked. One Easter holidays, my brother had flown back home from Perth to spend time with everyone. As there was no real spare bedroom, my brother got to stay in my bedroom and I got a blow up mattress on the floor of my dad's office. The reason for this being that the office had no door, just a large entryway, and my brother preferred his privacy. One night I'd stayed awake playing The Walking Dead on my iPad. From the entryway I saw someone walk past, heading from the direction of my parents' room towards the kitchen. I said a quiet, hello? No response. Dad? No response. Mum? Still no response. I shrugged it off, thinking one of my parents just needed a glass of water and didn't hear me. I'd just say something when they went back to bed. I continued to play the game on my iPad for another hour before tiredness set in and I decided to try and sleep. 
I also realised no one ever walked back to my parents' room. Shrugging it off and thinking I just missed them this time, I went to sleep. The next day, I questioned my parents, asking if they walked past the room last night at around 10.30. They replied, Oh no, we were well and truly asleep by then. So I questioned my brother. Even knowing the direction I saw the person walk would have made no sense if it was him. And he replied, Nah, I was asleep by nine, I think. So who the hell walked past the entranceway? The final story is one that will haunt me till the day I die. Both of my parents had gone overseas and had trusted me to look after the house and their two dogs. The house was massive and already freaky enough. So I asked my partner at the time to stay with me to keep me company, so he did. He was a baker, so had to wake at an ungodly hour of the morning to go to work and he didn't trust himself enough to take a spare key with him. So whenever he left in the morning, I had to walk to the front door with him to relock the door once he left. It had been a few nights and I had woken up with him a few times now to lock the door behind him. Every time I locked the door, I would sprint back to my room and launch myself onto the bed. Big scary house in the middle of the night and all. This particular morning was no different. I woke up with his alarm, sat up for 10 minutes while he got dressed in the bathroom, so I was well and truly awake at this time. Followed him to the front door, kissed him goodbye, closed the door and double locked it. I turned around and at the opposite end of the house was a large shadowy figure of a person. They sprinted from the lounge room and through the back door. At this point I'm certain my heart fell out of my ass and I turned every light on I possibly could and ran straight back to my room. I pulled the duvet cover right up to my chin and stared out of my door hoping whatever the fuck it was wouldn't make itself known even with the lights on. It felt like forever I was watching out the doorway. And then I realised. Both my parents' dogs, who had still been asleep on the bed before my partner left, were sitting up, alert, staring right out of my damn door. Even if I broke their focus on it, they'd go back to watching it seconds later. Fuck this. I threw the covers over my head, squeezed my eyes shut, praying I would just pass out and not be murdered by the shadow person doing sprints in the lounge room. As my eyes are closed and I was trying to steady my breath, I realised I could hear footsteps. Fucking footsteps. Pacing back and forth somewhere in the house. At this point I just accepted I was going to be murdered because I thought my damn duvet would protect me. And then, as if it sensed my fear growing, it started whistling. At this point I was sobbing uncontrollably. I didn't know what else to do. Somehow, among all the fear and tears, I'd fallen asleep and awoke when the sun was up, as if nothing had ever happened. It's not often that we get like a positive Ouija board story, as in a Ouija board that's helpful. So I don't know if doing a PSA is is the right thing to do at this point in time. I feel like your ma got off lucky, do you know what I mean? A Ouija board can go one of two ways. It's either possess you, ruin your life, or save the kids in the house. And this time it was save the kids in the house. I think that fear of having your foot grabbed when you're in bed is such a primal fear, right? It's such a primal fear. It's a fear that people have from childhood and every so often on the podcast, the fear is validated. And I'm not here for that. I'm also not here for shadow people in general, but shadow people sprinting around your house and then footsteps and whistling. Stop it. We all know that whistling is just a paranormal flex. Whatever those shadow people are in that house they're just like you know it's really going to shit her up if I start whistling right now 
And story number two comes from Kevin. When I was born, my mum was only 17 years old. Consequently, we had to stay with my gran for around two years until a house became available. Eventually, a house became available close by, and it was this house which was host to the paranormal experiences I'm about to disclose. The most stark experience happened to me when I was four years old, almost five. Although it might seem a very young age for any sort of recollection or accurate memory, it was the exact and otherworldly nature of the experience which has ensured that the memory remains ingrained. As most children do in their young age, I had transitioned to sleep in my own room. However, I'd built up a habit of getting up through the night to get in bed beside my mum. This particular night, I awoke in my mum's bed to find her absent. I proceeded to shout for her, and she immediately replied saying she was in the bathroom. I climbed out of bed to go and be with her, and as I entered the hall, she was just coming out of the bathroom. She sprightly asked if I would like to have a little midnight snack. This was a regular thing for my mum and I, even though it was never exactly midnight, she just loved to call it that, and I, being adventurous, always reciprocated with an electrified yes. We headed to the kitchen for our usual snack of cheddar cheese biscuits, cheese spread and a pickle on top, which remains a favourite in adulthood. We prepared our midnight snack together for a couple of minutes. Then my mum turned to me and said, Okay, I will finish off in here, you head back down to bed and I'll be down shortly with these. Excited for my midnight snack, I headed out of the kitchen, off through the living room, down the hall and at the end of the hall on the left-hand side was my mother's room. What happened next has remained with me. This was not a dream nor was it my imagination. This was as lucid and as real as I am typing this email. I turned to head into my mum's room, only to be stopped dead in my tracks, standing there not quite sure what I was observing. There was no immediate fear but amazement. On top of the bed, half sitting up, was a woman. At the precise moment I entered the room, our eyes locked, and as our eyes met, she sat forward. Her skin was that of pure darkness, like looking into the night sky. Her eyes were white with black orbs for pupils. She smiled, her teeth coal-stained. In the seconds that followed, she gradually leaned forward, her right leg falling out of the bed onto the floor and her left leg trailing as she slowly emerged, coming towards me, a predator contemplating its prey. She then lifted her right hand up, her fingers brushing towards her face, inviting me to come closer. Her hands were small, but her fingers seemed large, only because her nails ran into a sharp point. I stood statuesque as she was gradually moving towards me, still waving her hands, inviting me closer. I could see that she was trying to say something, but I couldn't hear what she was articulating. It was a faint, whispering sound. Then all of a sudden, and not in a fearful way, I yelled out, Mum! As soon as I'd broken the silence, the presence sat back down subserviently. I backed into the hall and there was my mum. As I turned, half glancing back into the room, the dark entity was gone. At the time, I did not speak of it for reasons that escaped me, I kept it to myself. However, things didn't end there. Moving on from this experience, I never felt alone in the house. My mother to this day will tell you that she could never step over the threshold of that house again. She speaks now of a period of time when out of the blue I started regularly sleepwalking. This lasted for a period of six months. And if I piece together the timeline, it seems to tie in with the event with the dark lady. During this new wandering spell, my mum would regularly wake up in the middle of the night, 
taking the opportunity to check on me, only to find me situated in different parts of the house, standing alone in the darkness. Eerily, she found me one night, almost dummying the scene from Poltergeist, sitting on the carpet watching the static white noise on the living room TV. She once got out of the bath thinking I was in bed, only to find me standing at the bottom of the stairs of our flat, staring into the front door. She had put me to bed two hours beforehand. I have no recollection of this, but she told me I was half awake and speaking to her each time she found me. The most alarming aspect of all of these sleepwalking events seemed to be the recurring theme of what I would utter when she asked me what I was doing and where I was going. There's a woman in my room and she won't let me sleep. My spate of sleepwalking concluded one night with me uttering the words, The woman in my room wants to talk to you, Mum. Terrified as she was, my mum grabbed me and held me by her side until morning. After that night, my sleepwalking never occurred again. There were many low-level incidents in the house, doors opening and closing in temperate summer days with no breeze, objects moving across tables, electrical appliances turning on and off, especially the TV, the stereo and the radio. The more communicative, the better. Another interesting incident occurred when I was 12 years old. It happened in the early hours of the morning, when rather abruptly my mum yelled out my name in a terrified scream. When I burst into her room, she exclaimed that there was someone or something in the room. Asking where, she directed me to the corner of her room, a space which she used to store bags, clothes, etc. This particular time, the space was taken up by Christmas presents she had purchased, all in bags which were yet to be tied over. I responded that there was nothing to see and encouraged her to go back to sleep. Within a matter of minutes, she screamed again, Kevin, please come sleep in here tonight. To which I refused. I was 12, no chance. Someone is going through the bags, she implored. I laughed and went back into my room. Again, minutes later, I heard my mum burst into tears and she screamed, please, Kevin, sleep in my room tonight. Okay, mum, okay, calm down. I'll have a proper look this time. Again, she implored that there was something rifling through the bags. I put the light on, looked in and around the bags to find nothing. I even moved the bags thinking that there could be a mouse and after thoroughly checking the bags, I could conclusively rule out any rodents. I then decided to tie the bags tightly and place them back behind the set of drawers. Laying beside my mum, she seemed to calm down and she went to sleep. A sleep that barely got going. I was now about to experience what had my mum in tears. The bags began to rustle, and not gentle rasps. It was something violently rummaging through them, as if looking for something in a rage. The room was in darkness. I looked up but couldn't see anything, my eyes still adjusting to all the changes in light. Although my mum was terrified beside me, I decided to stay calm in order to get to the bottom of it. I tiptoed over to the light and as it switched on, the rummaging came to a halt. Looking behind the set of drawers, I was amazed to see the tightly tied bags now wide open. We tended to sleep with the lights on in that house until we could move house years later. Oh, Kevin, that first part of that story gave me the heebie-jeebies. And it reminded me of something I shared in the Facebook group recently. So when I was in the MoMA in New York, there was a sculpture called Lilith by an artist called Kiki Smith, I think. And basically, I was just bopping around the MoMA on my own and I turned a corner and in a stairwell, hanging from the wall upside down, like, like as if she was crawling down the wall, was this sculpture of Lilith, as in the biblical character Lilith. And honestly... 
It is the freakiest thing. I shared it in the Facebook group recently because an ad for an exhibition that that sculpture is in in London kept coming up on my Facebook timeline. And every time it came up, it scared the living bejesus out of me. So listen, let me tell you, I would not want to have Lilith in my bedroom on my bed in the middle of the night. Just want to say as an aside, props for the midnight snack. That sounds like an absolutely delicious midnight snack, which I am 100% on board with. I'm less cool with the monsters in the house, but I am very cool with the snacks. And your poor ma, like, I don't know what I'd do if I had a kid and they were sleepwalking all the time and just generally being a little freak. Like, honestly, waking up and having them sitting in front of the TV watching the static, I'd be like, right, you, you can stay there because I'm not dealing with this. No way. If I heard them sleepwalking, I'd be like, what would be would be what happens while they're sleepwalking happens while they're sleepwalking and I'm not going to do anything about it because it's just it's just so terrifying. Sounds like there's a lot of weird shit that went on in that house. And I don't blame your mom for saying that she would never step foot over that threshold again. I believe from what I can remember of Kevin's email that he was in Glasgow. So in regards to the bags rustling, it's not like there are kind of big uh, rodents that could get into the bags or be in the room that you wouldn't notice. I mean, our biggest rodents are kind of mice or rats, really. And you'd definitely know if it was a mice or a rat that was wriggling around in the bag. And you would have, if you'd gone through the bags, you would have found it. So I think it's kind of a good assumption to think, oh, it must be a mouse that's in the bag somewhere. But then realising that it isn't a mouse. And fair play to 12-year-old you for keeping calm. That's pretty impressive. And story number three comes from Anonymous. Weird stuff has always happened in the duplex where I lived my last year of undergraduate studies. The heavy old double hung windows would open by themselves. And I don't mean just a little bit. They were stiff and difficult to shift, but would slide open at random times. But when I would go to shut them again, they would be just as difficult as usual. One particularly stuffy afternoon I was studying on my bed when the window in my room opened. I was so used to this by then that I just said thanks and kept studying. Another day, a little wooden box with a hinged lid and a little latch opened. I said, hey, that's private, and the box closed. Writing this many decades later, it feels very unreal, but I saw these things happen, and in the case of these examples, I was neither drunk nor stoned. Also, I have PTSD due to previous carbon monoxide poisoning, and I insisted on having the place checked over before we moved in. Everything was fine, just fine. And honestly, it felt fine to me. I did not find this the least bit scary and was often there alone. This was a shotgun shack, so the rooms were all aligned from front of the house to the back. My roommate's bedroom was at the back, then you had to walk through either my room or the bathroom to get to the kitchen. One night I was sleeping peacefully when there was a loud crash in her bedroom. Then the doors to my room flew open, one after the other I heard the tinkling of glass in the kitchen. In that moment, before I achieved true wakefulness, I had the definite impression that a woman had run through my room. I went to check on my roommate, and the first thing she said was, Did you see her? She then said she had no idea why she said that. She hadn't seen anything, and had woken because of the lamp on the side table crashing to the ground. It was indeed lying there on the floor, and would account for the crash I heard. We went out to the kitchen to see if there was any sign of an intruder, though I think we knew there wasn't. Not one we could see anyway. 
That was the night we saw the phone move from the counter through the air to settle on the dining table. We just looked at each other, shrugged and went back to bed. We talked a bit about it the next day, just checking in that we hadn't dreamed it, but didn't discuss it after that. I decided to look up the old place and it's no longer there. I wonder what led to that. It was a sturdy old place with no obvious structural issues and in a great location for off-campus housing. Seeing this kind of gives me the creeps. It really is a prime location and I wonder why nothing has been built there. While I was living at the duplex, I worked at the old museum on campus. I loved the old place and often studied there between classes and late into the night. It was empty a lot, so it was a good quiet place to hang out and read. Being a student of history at the time, I had a lot of reading to do. There was one room that I absolutely refused to be in by myself and would only clean in there if the curator accompanied me. It was an odd little room between two large classrooms and I don't know what the purpose it served back in the day was when the building was a classroom building. I'd guess storage or a cloakroom, but there was a window so I just don't know. It was always cold in there and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up just walking in there. I used to have a photo of myself taken in there and I honestly looked haunted. It was particularly remarkable because the rest of the place felt so warm and inviting. I started having a reoccurring dream of a woman with long straight dark hair in a white dress or nightgown running away from the museum. In the dream I was always looking out of the window of that room watching her run away. I was so frightened for her because it was obvious that she was fleeing for her life. I finally told the curator and he said that there was a story that a woman had killed herself in the museum under suspicious circumstances, but that was all he knew, and he had never been able to find anything more about it. We discussed a seance, but decided that that was a definite nope and we could live without knowing. I wondered later if she followed me home and was the ghost at the duplex. During this time, a couple of friends sat down with me and told me that they were concerned that I was not acting myself. They pointed out that it was not safe to be walking home alone in the middle of the night and it was just odd for me to be alone so much. I didn't take them seriously until after I graduated and was no longer working at the museum or living in a haunted bungalow. Looking back, I feel like I was in a bit of a fog and had been making decisions that were not like me. Not enough sleep and stress from the last year of college or something else. Shortly after we moved out, my roommate was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Her personality changed from bright and bubbly to dark and depressed while we lived there. She also started dressing more like me, switched from microbiology to art and hung out with my friends more than I did. I thought she was just struggling because she was a very sheltered rich girl. She spent very little time at the duplex really, finding her old room at her parents' house much more comfortable. I've often wondered if her growing mental distress gave power to the resident ghost, if the haunting made her worse or if it was all just a coincidence. Oh, I do think schizophrenia is just its own its own situation outside of anything related to the haunting. I think those two things probably existed side by side from what it sounds like, but I don't think one influenced the other. But schizophrenia aside, you definitely both experience things in that house, like seeing things move, like seeing things physically move in front of you. We so often get stories that are like, I left my room and when I came back to the room, this stuff was moved around. But to actually physically see it happening, I think, is pretty, pretty unusual. I don't know if I would have been able to go back to bed and just shrug my shoulders if I saw a phone moving from one place to the other. Oh, no, that phone would be yeeted into oblivion. Absolutely not. 
And maybe it is something to do with the girl in the museum. I don't think that's a particularly out there assumption to make, to be honest. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Ebony, Kevin and Anonymous for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from February the 22nd, 2022. If you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories, you can check out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can also subscribe to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and every single main episode and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>